Hello everyone, welcome to IT Tech Talk. I'm your host, Joel Ward, and with me today is Gabriel. Gabriel is the CEO of Audio Design Desk. How are you doing, Gabriel? Terrific. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I literally, uh, you know, we were just talking about this before the show started, and I, I was, I'm really baffled by, like, you know, there is a need for this. And I didn't know that your company existed. So it's like, I was looking at your pricing plans and how reasonable they are. And I... I, I, what really struck me is how many major companies are using your software to do videos and movies and are in post-production stuff. And I'm like, wow, this is pretty impressive. So, Gabriel, why don't you give us a little bit of a background about what got you started into this and and, and what design Audio Design Desk is? Great. Will do. And thanks thanks for having me. Oh, no um, problem. It's, it's an honor. <laughs> yeah, my, my my background is I got really lucky right in high school. I sort of played with the popular high school band and MTV came out and did a rockumentary on it's so super embarrassing to watch now, but you know, a little rockumentary on my high school band. We and all I got, have those embarrassing high school. Moments, right. Yes. Right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and and I got signed to Geffen Records um, my first year in college and, you know, got to tour and see the world and like play with a lot of my heroes and I earned a few platinum albums and uh, somewhere in there, I got hired by a guy named Roger Corman, a filmmaker. He's made over okay. 400, he's made over 400 movies. Uh, he started James Cameron career and Martin Scorsese's career, Ron Howard's career, Jack Nicholson, uh, uh, you know, Robert De Niro, like everybody started with this guy, Roger Corman. Because when you came out to LA and you want to make movies, like you're either going to be an intern where you're like very sequestered yeah, yeah, or yeah. you could work for Roger Corman and make $0, but maybe get fed a donut for breakfast and get access to to uh you know everything in the filmmaking world and that's what happened to me i i was scoring a movie for him but through scoring it i got to see the entire editorial process and you know all all of what was happening um on that side of it and i fell in love with it i'd always wanted to make movies so i went back to film school and i got my master's degree in film directing and i produced over 20 feature films and a bunch of other stuff and, uh, you know, one of the things that happens when you're making independent movies is you bring everything, you know, to every project and I knew sound. And so, you know, I was very familiar with Final Cut Pro and Premiere and uh, Media Composer, the tools that these video, these videos are edited in. And you quickly learn how important sound is for visuals, whether it's an advertisement or a YouTube video or a, or a, you know, a podcast or a feature film, uh, audio is critical to the yes. emotional connection to the to the to the project um and yet it's totally been overlooked these tools are not built to create audio for video they're all being repurposed they're all big giant beautiful digital tape machines it's exactly what a tape a tape machine would be if you could see the you know the tracks and be yeah. able to edit the individual tracks so about five years ago, I was uh, cutting the trailer to one of my movies and I was trying to find the right sound for the big title that comes in at the end of the trailer. Yeah. And I, it was just this totally broken system. It, you know, I'm out on the desktop trying to find the sound in some library and I'm dragging them in, I'm trimming them up and I'm moving them over and then I'm untr- listening for the first time. It's not right. You have to do it over and over and over again. And I thought, this is silly. Like, why hasn't somebody built a system to create audio for video. 
And uh, so I stood up. I'm always surrounded by whiteboards. And I started drawing out a schematic. Well, how would I do it? And by coincidence, my uh, a big sound designer was working out of my house at that time, mm-hmm. a guy named Sam Music, who did uh, sound for the trailers for Rogue One and World War Z and Spider-Man, like huge movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and he was working out of my house and he asked me about this schematic I'd drawn on the board. I said, that's how I'm going to solve sound for film. And he was like, oh, my God. He said, Gabe, I have 10,000 sounds. I love this idea. Let's take the 10,000 sounds. Now you've got the content and the idea. And we went and my college roommate had become a a big programmer. He built the underpinnings of YouTube and Apple TV and called up my college roommate and said, hey, man, like, I've got an idea. Can we build this together? And that was the beginning of building Audio Design Desk. That, you know. As if I can't, like, I've had some impressive guests on, but like that is so, you got to meet some cool, like interesting people and, and have developed something that has literally changed how people uh, edit sound in the industry. And, and, and that, like, do you feel very accomplished, you know, knowing that you've changed the way people view sound in movies? Um, when, well, like we've been lucky to win a bunch of awards and things like that. And every time, first of all, Whenever a review comes out, you just so you your users know your your users. We have users. You have you have listeners. (laughs) (laughs) Your listeners know. Um, uh, you find out the day before as the company, like the day before, they go, okay, well the reviews coming, but they don't tell you what the review is going to say. So every single time for those twenty four hours, I'm biting my fingernails and like (laughs) I can't sleep well that night because going to be the terrible review but it never has had they've always been great reviews and we've won a lot of awards and you do feel accomplished for five or ten minutes then it's time to get back to work so the answer is like as a general feeling no i don't feel accomplished as a general feeling i feel like there's a lot more work to do and we need to you know make the product better serve our clients better and you know continue to get feedback and build so okay, so you, let's let's go, jump back a little bit. So you developed this with your with your friends and and stuff, and and you know you you like your site has some pretty impressive clients, like people who use this. So when you started out, did you think many people were even going to use this or like a, as an application? Y- yes, in fact, I think we thought it would be easier because <laughs> the 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 idea is so. It's the kind of thing where you show it to people and they go, How, what do you mean? It's not like this already. And you're like, no, it takes six hours using today's tools. Using our thing, it takes six minutes. So we thought, oh, my gosh, everyone would look at this thing and just instantly use it. But one of the challenges is, in fact, the editor of Arrested Development, a guy named Seth Clark, said it right. He said, how could something so familiar be so much better? And so one of the challenges is we have something that looks like a product you've seen before, yeah, but it works totally differently. And so people are like, Oh, I don't need another pro tools or I don't need it. So you have to commute, find a way to communicate the newness and the big dealness of this thing. That's, you know, housed in a system that looks familiar. Um, so I did think, and I do think that it'll be, uh, you know, continue to be adopted, but it's, it's definitely a challenge finding the audience, getting, getting it out there. So you were talking about you produced twenty feature films in your in your time. What films did you did you manage producing? If you don't mind me asking, I don't mind you asking. You probably wouldn't have heard of many of them. What for all of the you who have made movies, you know, you go into every movie thinking you're going to make something great. You put your heart and soul into it, and yeah. eight out of ten times they turn out fine and they're not great. 
Uh, and that's certainly been the case for me. We made a couple of really good movies that I feel great about. One of them's called Cheap Thrills. There's a remake being made of it right now. We won South by Southwest. We probably went into, I don't know, we must have been in 40 film festivals with that one. And okay. it made a lot. I think it's got in the 90s on Rotten Tomatoes, that kind of thing. Uh, there's another movie uh, uh, called They Call Us Monsters. That's a documentary that we made and we won a okay. bunch of awards with that and our Sundance guarantee grantees and things like that with that one. Uh, so those are two of the ones I feel really good about. I did Courtney Cox's directorial debut, which was okay. uh, a movie uh, comedy with Sean William Scott. And we did movies with Marissa Tomei and Sam Rockwell and, you know, a bunch of known actors, uh, but in the indie space where it's not like we made Transformers, although audio design desk is used on the new Transformers. So okay. I can, okay. that's my way in to, to, to those bigger names. So, you know, even in the indie space, you know, I, you know, you can, you can talk about your films like that, you know, they didn't make it to the big public space, but even in the indie space, you know, this, this software helps people get what their vision is out, you know, and, and that's what I think your vision was, is like to help people create their vision so that when they produce movies or music or, you know, even a short little YouTube video or whatever content creation you're doing, you know, it helps like even on my podcast, like I could see this being a great application for creating an intro or or making uh making sound effects for future episodes or whatever. You know, all this application, this application you built has the potential to be a life changer for a lot of people in the industry. Yeah, and I think other things where transitions, for example, when you're moving from one segment to another and you need a little sound or you don't even maybe know you need it, but if you added that little sound, it just brings the audience to that. Uh, you know, in our system, you push the letter T and it'll bring in a transition and then you push uh, another button and it offers you alternates. Um, so, so yeah, I think it's a, I think it cannot be overstated how important the sonic experience is for people. I'm going to give you two, two quick stories. One is a study. One is a story. So the study, two audiences are shown the exact same movie in theaters. This is a real thing that was done in one uh, audience. The sound shuts out, but the movie keeps going for the other audience. The visuals shut out, but the sound keeps going. Okay. For the audience where the, uh, the, sound cut out but the visual keeps going they get up and start to leave to see what's happening in 15 seconds what the hell is going on there's no sound they get they can't follow the story in the in the audience where the sound keeps going but the visual goes out it takes them three minutes to get up because they can still follow the story you know that's the importance of sound it's just one example of you know dozens hundreds of studies that have been done that show how important sound is to the emotional connection to your your project um the other example i just want to give really quickly is the first feature film that i directed i directed a feature that i co-directed as my very first thing but when i directed uh, something on my own i'm somebody who desperately needs deadlines to get things done i don't know if you're the same way but like Sometimes, so I'll, yes. I'll i'll often impose deadlines where I'm a- a- accountable to other people and if i'm accountable to someone else i have to do it so the way that i did uh you know the 
the editing process for this, my first feature film was to call everybody I know and say three weeks, I'm having a screening. I'm having the first screening of this movie. And the movie wasn't edited yet, uh, but I had a screening on Friday night and on Saturday night. Yeah. So you're working r- crazily for the basically up 24 hours a day for those three weeks, getting it as good as it can be because everyone you know is coming over to see yeah. it on Friday and Saturday. Friday nights in my living room, it's like 25 people are in there and I'm in the back of the room and I'm just like, the movie's not playing. It's the first screening. People aren't laughing. They're not screaming. They're not leaning forward. They're not engaged. And I'm in the back. I don't know about you, but when a moment like that, I started sweating. It wouldn't matter how cold it is in the room. I'm just sweating. And uh, it was a horrible experience uh, to, to have this thing that you're working so hard on in front of a group, not play. And I'm like, oh, my God, I have another screening tomorrow night. Another 25 people are coming. What can I do between now and tomorrow? And intuitively, I do not know where this came from. And it wasn't from education. It's just the thing I was able to do was go back to the, the um, you know, I was in Final Cut Pro at the time and add ambiences and footsteps. Neither had been added. Sound wasn't done. It's like not that phase of the editorial yeah, yeah. process. All I did was add sound, uh, a, a couple sound effects, footsteps, and ambiences. The next night, the audience is watching the exact same edit. Our numbers on our sheets more than doubled. People were laughing. They were screaming. It was a totally different experience for the audience. And that might have been the germ. You know, I didn't know it at the time, but yeah, that yeah. planted this seed of oh my gosh, if you could just do that, if you could have that, then you're able to talk about story and character and pacing and all of the things that you really need to focus on in your edit rather than being distracted by the lack of, you know, by the lack of sound. So those are, so, that's, yeah, go ahead. So no, so that's a perfect example because I remember when I first started the show, let's, let's put, let's put an example out there. When I started the show, I started with my phone and it was awful sound and you know only 30 people turned in tuned in and that was it was the numbers started dropping and like you know i i was like run, when i started from my computer i had a webcam that i was talking into it was awful sound so i got a mic and not this mic i actually got a different mic it's in the other other room um but i started with the mic the mic sounded good and then i remember i was like someone told me a buddy of mine who's coaching who's coaching me at the time to about podcasting he was like Dude, you need an intro for your show, an intro and an outro. He's like, you buy it at the same time. Buy the intro, a long mm-hmm. intro, and then cut it in half and use the mm-hmm. intro and outro. Mm-hmm. So I did that. And the response for the music for the show, the intro of the show that leads into the beginning, people were like, wow. And then I did an outro because I wasn't doing an outro at first. I wanted to try the intro. And if no one liked the intro, I would just jump right into the show. And then the response and the people messaging me and friends of mine were like, wow, where'd you get that intro? And I bought it. I actually paid $75 for that intro. Where? And, Do you remember where? Ah, uh, you know, it was like in Vado or something like it was yeah. some kind of um, some kind of like company that sells like royalty free music. Mm-hmm. And I bought it from them for $75 and I have used it ever since. Mm-hmm. And it has been my sound like the star of the show ever since. And, and, you know, I've always thought about changing it, but I'm like, that's what the sound that made me the 600 mm-hmm. listener show. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, mm-hmm. and, and the show keeps growing. And mm-hmm. now that it has an outro and the way I introduce guests and every day the show keeps changing, the social media keeps changing, you know, and, and to go to your thing, though, the sound, adding that sound changed the dynamic of the show. It made mm-hmm. it more interesting. It gave it hype. 
So when the sound's playing, people are like, all right, who's coming on now? You know, mm-hmm. so sound does play a critical role in shows, podcasts, um, YouTube videos, wherever, you know, having that, you know, music or, or sound does play a good role. I can agree with that. Uh, George Lucas said it best. He said, sound is half the story. Sound is half of what you see. And it's funny because we all think, I mean, I'm, I'm a star Wars fan. I'm watching Andor. I really, really like, like that world. My son here that he's upstairs and he is the biggest star Wars fan that I have ever met. He's only six. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. I have a five-year-old. So we'll have to talk about that. Um, but but it's true. And by the way, uh, Tales of the Jedi, if you haven't seen it, is totally age appropriate for. Oh, he's watching it right yeah. now. He yeah. has my uncle. My uncle, my brother is who's his uncle is literally got him into every. He's also a Star Wars fan. I'm mm-hmm. a more not so much, but oh my gosh, they could talk Star Wars all day. And so I get it. I get it. Uh, all, but and also next time you watch, if you do watch Tales of the Jedi, the sound is terrific. And think about what Lucas did. Like, yes, of course, he created this world and the story and yeah. the Skywalker saga. But so much of what that world is, of what brings it to life, is the sound of the lightsabers, the sound of the of the Death Star, the sound of things being shut, right? Yeah. Uh, the sound of the the lasers and so forth. It was such a big deal to him that he started THX surround sound started with George Lucas yeah. and he started Skywalker sound. So, you know, as somebody that is that has had that big an impact on the cinematic world, he's yeah. had an equally big impact on the tools we use, the way we listen and, and the people that, um, y- you know, that fill the space to do it. Do you feel like he is kind of like your uh, inspiration into, into the space as well? I, I mean, in a certain sense, maybe, maybe so. Uh, I'm not sure. George Lucas is is definitely a hero and uh, has made a lot of incredible stuff in the tech world. You know, there's so many stories, and I wonder if if, if I could just pivot a little bit to talk about like the tech journey. No, yo, uh, go go right ahead. Go right ahead. Yeah, because. Uh, you know, when you start, I was trying to solve a problem that I was having. How do we solve it? I didn't think, yeah. how am I going to start a business and what kind of, you know, return on investment am I going to get to the end? How big is the market? What's the TAM, right? The TAM, the total addressable market. And then what's your size in the market? And then what's, what are we going to do about SEO, right? Search engine optimization. Like none of these phrases are, are terms that I, had even heard of before. Yeah. Um, and there's a hundred other ones that I'm not mentioning right now. And all of them are important because they all kind of uh, allow you to identify your KPIs, right? Your key performance indicators of this is our goal. We're trying to get this much more traction. If we get two people to engage on a current Facebook post, that'll lead to four people, will lead to eight yeah. and 16. And so through exponentiation, you can expect that you're going to start to build a business Luckily for me, a couple things happened. First thing was unlucky. We lo- so we, the first thing that happened for us is I p- applied to South by Southwest. You know they have a whole tech part. Okay, and we were accepted as innovators, which meant that like what you would normally have to spend like twenty grand to get a booth and do a thing, like suddenly we were going to be coming. We get the booth for free. We're going to be on the stage. We're like you know there's only a small group of people that are South by Southwest innovators. Well, the very first thing that got shut down from COVID was South by Southwest. And so here we are about to launch. So exciting, feeling really great about our tech and COVID hits. 
So that was a real bummer. And we're scrambling. How do you get out there? How can you be seen? Like if you, especially at the beginning of COVID, more people need a tool like ours, but everybody says they've got a game changing tool, right? So we started reaching out to, to get reviews uh, and we started getting these, you know, sort of winning these awards and getting these reviews. And that led us to our first accelerator, which I think for your audience might be, you know, interesting to hear. There's a number of accelerators out there. There's a lot of great ones. Uh, some of them ask for a percentage of the company or ask for, you know, a cut if they help you raise money. In our case, we got into two, I think, coincidentally, Canadian accelerators. Okay. Neither of them asked us for anything. They just wanted to help. Uh, mind if I interrupt you? Could For those, I think I kind of get what an accelerator is. I'm, I'm a little, you know, new to it. Yeah. Could you explain what an accelerator is? Is it kind of like an investor? Yeah, no. So I'll I'll describe it in 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 just a second. Let me just set it up and okay, I'll describe all right, all right. it. So 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 yeah. So so this Canadian, the first one we got into is called Creative Destruction Lab. Okay. And Creative Destruction Lab, the accelerator is a group of something like two hundred people. Okay. And their entire goal is to help uh, startups find their voice, find more clients, understand what they're doing, build their brand. And at the end of it, if you survive, and I'll get into that in one second, uh, they introduce you to investors. So one of the things about this particular, so an accelerator is like college, like think of it like college. They are teaching you how to be, to lead a startup. My very first assignment was what's your total addressable market? You have to go through. And they, by the way, they also, in our case, gave us a couple of master's business students, master's students okay. who helped us with the research, which was incredible. And so I'm trying to, you know, do this, lead this startup, but not really knowing how you do that. I had lots yeah. of movie experience. I knew how to lead a team towards a common vision, but no, this tech stuff isn't intuitive. And yes, I read a couple books, but having mentor. So part of the, the creative destruction lab accelerator, they're all different. They're all different amount of time. They all require different things. Creative uh, a destruction lab is a nine month program. Okay. And you get two mentors, two to three mentors that you meet with every week or two. And then every two months you meet with everybody and it's like survivor. So after two months, if you, they cut half of the people in the accelerator. So you're on the chopping block every time you meet. You're like, I hope I don't get cut. You have to hit your, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. your goals. Otherwise they, you know, you get kicked out of there. So again, the first thing that I was tasked with was figuring out our total addressable market. Who are these people? Who would want a tool like this? And when you look into that, it is a huge expand. The creator economy, the creator space is massive. Do they need sound? Yeah, they need sound. Every single one of these things needs sound. In fact, they need sound more than they need video editors because the creator economy does tons of things that aren't uh, video related. They do podcasts, yeah. right? They do, uh, 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 they, they do, you know, uh, commercials for Spotify and things like that, that mm-hmm. don't have visuals. So that was really interesting to learn. Um, we didn't get cut. In fact, at the very end, we, there's something they call the main stage where they invite three companies to go up to the main stage and introduce their products to investors. And we were invited onto the main stage and an incredible mentor of mine, a guy named David Dufresne, uh, introduced me. And then I, you know, had three or four minutes to talk about the product. And then there's a, there was hundreds of investors there. And so the ones that are interested reach out to you and you start building 
uh, out your fundraising raise often on what's called a safe note for those okay. listeners that don't know. And you're, if you're interested in starting a startup, these are the kinds of things you're going to need to learn about. Uh, y Combinator is an accelerator that has a lot of free documentation. Our safe note comes straight from Y Combinator. S-A-F-E, it stands for something, but I'm not sure what it is. Uh, <laughs> it does stand for something. But the idea with a safe note is a really, really smart one for those of you out there who are raising money or trying to raise money. The challenge is, hey, investor, I need $10,000. And the investor goes, great. Well, how much am I going to get of your company? And you go, well, I don't know what our, co- our company could be worth, you know, $500,000, but it could be worth $500 million. I don't know how much it's worth. It's a huge market. It's a great idea that we have. Yeah. The safe note gives a range and it says, so it could be worth, let's say at, on the low end, 500,000 on the high end, 500 million. But you know what? You're the first money in. So we're going to reduce that to make it so that the high end is 20 million. So no matter gotcha. what. That ten thousand dollars cannot be worth less than than a, a ten thousand of twenty million. Anyway, it's a it's a great way of saying we don't know, and we're going to decide later what the value is. It protects both you as the CEO or the founder and the investor, um, and they're free on Y Combinator. It's a short document; it's like four pages. It's actually really cool. So you know, I I've never. All the stuff, you know, starting a show, uh, you know, you, you get to talk to people, especially when you're doing entrepreneurship and all this stuff, and you get to talk to people and you learn things. And a lot of my guests, <laughs> what you just talked about, a lot of my guests do reach out and say something they said on the show resonated with me. I was able to use it and apply it in a certain space. And, you know, I'm I'm hoping what you just talked about with the why note helps someone who's listening to the show, like who's trying to incorporate their business or something. So I hope that really that works for them. Uh, real quick, we have eight minutes. Looks like eight minutes, but I also started the clock late. Um, you know, you you talked about you know when you got into the space and you know you you got on the stage and stuff. Uh, what'd that feel like? You know, getting to go on the stage and realizing that you have a product that people are going to buy. It's exciting. It's nerve wracking. It's, you know, as at that point, as a CEO, we have a team, there's, uh-huh. there's about 10 of us uh, that build sounds that are developers that are designers. And I really, really care about my team. And one thing I really care about is getting everybody healthcare. We haven't been able to afford that. So a big thing that's on your mind is, you know, gosh, if I make this raise and I, I you know, it'll yeah. do well for me, but it'll also do well for my team. The other thing about my team and I'm part of this is we believe in what we're building. Like we have an absolutely for real game changing uh, tool. And so, and everybody on the team sees it. And every time we demo it, it seems to be seen, but getting the word out there is hard. Explaining it is hard. So there, you know, is a certain nervousness around, gosh, is there going to be a technical problem as I'm teaching? Cause it was on zoom. So like, is there going to be some tech issue? Uh, uh, so I excited and especially exciting because the people that got in touch with me right after uh-huh. people are, are kind of live chatting on a Slack channel as you're, um, giving your pitch. And so you're kind of able to see the activity out of, you know, your periphery yeah. and then you start, but the good thing is once your pitch is done, you can immediately collect their information and start chatting with them. Um, that was really great. I mean, uh, uh, Chris Hadfield, who is, um, 
a, an astronaut. I think he's the human who's been in space more than any other human yeah. uh, uh, became involved with us and invested in us through that. So, you know, there was a, a bunch of people where we got a lot of really great interest and, you know, it, in a certain sense, it's not free money. They're investing in your company. They own part of the money. I'm yeah. sorry. They own part of your company. Um, but it was a very seemingly quick and incredible way to meet new people and to raise some funds and to be able to continue to build the product. Real quick, before we have about, it looks like eight, uh, eight minutes left, um, I would like to talk about the app. So you have an app, it said on your website. What does the app do? Does it do editing within the app or how does that work? So what I've been describing this whole time is the app. Like it's a it's a okay. piece of software that stands. I thought it for- was I thought it was like on a computer portal. Like it's a portal on your computer. It's not something you can download. I didn't see. It, it is something you can download. Okay, okay. So that's so you can download. I I thought see that some of the stuff that I think this is what, what this is what's confusing is like some of the stuff I check out. You have to download a portal and then you use it within the online web portal, like. This is that's a game changer because I see like you can use it with Final Cut Pro, DaVinci, which is what I use. I use DaVinci uh, mm-hmm. to do all my stuff and, you know, to be able to download this and seamlessly run it between both of those works right. really well. So, you know, I thought it was an app. I thought you meant like it was an app you could put on your phone or something and also edit from your phone. We're building towards an entire ecosystem that's like that. Right now, it is a an application that you download and 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 use on your computer, and we do work pretty seamlessly with Resolve. Gotcha. But the roadmap is very exciting. We're making some really cool tools. So what? Let's talk about that for a few seconds. Uh, so you're talking about in the future having an app where people could on the go edit stuff w- from their phones and mm-hmm. be able to do quick content creation, like. Uh, let's, for example, let's talk about van lifers, you know, people who are on the go content careers, they would have access to that from their phones if they didn't have access to that, uh, from their, uh, computers, if they had no Wi-Fi. Yes. And I watch lots of van lifing and RV, <laughs> uh, videos too. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I invite anyone to do a pass of their, again, YouTube video, the, you know, it's interesting that we call them creators, right? Especially yeah. in kind of the VC world. But they're not. They're filmmakers, right? Yeah. These are filmmakers. These are young filmmakers. Uh, and we should be treating them like sophisticated filmmakers who are coning their craft. And you see these people. I follow these people. You know, it's like you see where they start and then they get a new camera, a new phone so that they can and shoot. drones and stuff. Sophisticated. Absolutely. And they're making great content. If their sound doesn't rise at the same level as their visuals, their content will always feel amateurish. It's just... Yep. It, it that is how it is uh, as much as their visuals could be incredible. You cannot have a experience that feels professional without the sound being professional. So yeah. that's what our app does. Yeah. Well, Gabriel, it has been an honor having you on the show. I, I really, truly appreciate what you're doing in the space. And I really look forward to seeing what your company does here in the next five years. Thank you. Looking forward to, uh, to talking about it again. Well, thank you. I, I really do think that maybe we'll schedule out a year and in, in a year I'm going to check in with your staff and, and see what you're doing. And, and hopefully you've taken off and, and made a more of a platform like an app and stuff and like a phone app and stuff. And we can, we can talk more about that in the, in the, in the future. Absolutely. Sounds good.